Hi everyone, I'm David Blendauer and welcome to Conversation with a Manager, Stories from the Frontline. This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that managers, particularly frontline managers, are key to an organization's success. This podcast is also in search of the best advice and counsel from experienced managers for anyone who's new to the role of manager. Today's guest is Shelley Klinger. Shelley is the director of shared services at Quad, formerly Quad Graphics. Quad is a commercial printing company which offers marketing strategy and management services. Quad is based in Sussex, Wisconsin. In fact, for many years, Shelley worked alongside our host, Steve King, at Hewitt Associates, where she led many of Hewitt's HR operation functions. Here's Steve with some initial thoughts about his conversation with Shelley. Thanks, David. Yeah, I've known Shelley for quite a while now, and I knew early on in the development of these podcasts, I'd like her to join us and share some of her experiences as a manager. In particular, I wanted her to share her experiences leading multiple teams and leading global teams. Many of you, our listeners, have teams and team members outside the United States. And if you don't, I predict sometime you will in your career. For the podcast today, we have selected a segment of the interview where Shelley speaks to how teams spread all over the world can better align themselves around common goals and integrate their work processes. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Shelley, and we'll return afterwards with some final thoughts. So, Shelly, you've had an extraordinarily large amount of experience managing individuals across the globe, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you, because you, as a manager, you've had some experiences like that. And uh, I know that one of your challenges is trying to instill a sense of team versus some sense of competitiveness across these, uh, across these service geographies, right? You have a team in Europe and be a team in Asia and a team in the United States. Sometimes creating a team out of those three different groups can be challenging. So first question I have for you is what challenges do you face or did you face, you know, trying to create a team where the team members are scattered all over the world? Yeah. Um, well, I've had lots of lessons learned. I, I think, you know, still learning to some regard, but I think one of the dynamics um, that, you know, I really saw as an opportunity was trying to address this competitive mindset of, you know, two two different countries per se that were really kind of vying for um, better metrics, higher volume of cases, and ultimately kind of, you know, assessing, you know, are we doing a better job because of that? You know, not thinking we're one unit across three geographies, right? We have to operate together. We succeed or fail together. It was, well, as long as my country's got the better metrics, we're doing okay. And by the way, if new work comes our way, it, it's only logical that we would be awarded the new work because we're doing better, right? Not necessarily taking into consideration things like working hours and overlap of whoever their constituency was, mainly U.S., um, what are the resources like? Are they available? Can they work these hours? Um, is there a language preference? You know, is Spanish speaking is is something that, um, you know, may be inherent in some of the work that, you know, that we talked about. You know, it doesn't make sense to, you know, to look at this work being done in Poland, for example. Um, so that was, you know, that was the tough dynamic because it was, it was, you know, there was a lot of just, um, oneness in, in, you know, conversations. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, instead of talking about it in ways that were operational, you know, how we have to work together, guys, you know, we have to do this together, you know, um, 
you know, how did, well, how did we do as a team and talking through that with metrics and our operations and our work, I thought I would take a step back and really say, okay, how can we approach this a different way? Um, and wanted to take a more personal approach. And so, you know, we really hadn't done, or I hadn't done a lot of sort sort of or assessments, if you will, and debriefs of assessments with a global team um, that was usually done in country where they might have had their own, you know, development opportunities. But are there some that can put you on a level playing field to talk about the dynamics of what's going on in your team? Um, and and two that, you know, particularly found um, useful, and this is in conjunction with our with a talent, with our talent team, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't facilitating it. You know, I too was participating in these assessments and we would talk about our styles. So one in our intercultural competence. Um, so how do we deal with cultural differences and commonalities uh, as well as conflict management? You know, how do, how do we, um, how do we, you know, react when we're faced with conflict? And the sessions were very productive. I think, you know, it was it was good to see the diversity across our styles and to also talk about, you know, the pros of of being able to balance those styles and acknowledge and and you know and be mindful of those as we're working together. So it's interesting that when we think about sometimes hard skills versus soft skills or maybe process versus culture, you found that the best way to try to draw three disparate teams across the world together was not on the hard skills, the process it was actually more on the culture and the soft skills. Right. Am I getting, am I, all right, getting yeah. it right. Yeah. So do you, um, I'm curious, uh, do you remember what one or two of the assessments were that might've helped you do this? Um, when you say assessments, Steve, what do you mean by? Well, you, you had mentioned, you had mentioned some assessments that were used. Oh. The actual name of the assessments, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So one is the um, IDI, or Intercultural Development Inventory, and the other was TKI, uh, which is Thomas Kilman Assessment for Conflict. So, um, do you find, do you still find, I wonder, that different countries have different notions what it, of what a team is? Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I do. I I. You know, I think in some regards, um, well, I should just say in this example that I'm speaking with, in one sure. country, um, team was viewed as a as a team. Like we are all part of one and we're a family and we're, you know, we're all working together. In the other country, it was more of we're a collection of individuals and, um, you know, we all have our place, but we're still a team just by virtue of putting a circle around us, but we're we're very much individuals and we, we don't talk too much to each other. <laughs> so when you experience this sort of different orientation towards teams, one more individualistic kind of team and the other more collective, um, how did you manage that difference? Oh, goodness. Well, I think, um, you know, for me personally, and I'll just go in a little bit further into this because I think further with just breaking down the silos of competition, I wanted to make sure that we were more integrated, right? That we were, we were acknowledging each other. We were learning each other. We were creating a sense of community because we were a big team and we had many facets of our team and 
different groups that not necessarily interact with on a day to day, but still part of the team. Um, and so I had the leads kind of do some listening with with the teams to say, what you know, if if we had a way to you know, if you if you if you could share some thoughts about you know about the ways that you might want to um, feel more connected, are you know a part of a broader a broader sense or part of the organization? What would that be? And, you know, we started there just more of just what's what's your understanding of your work today and how you fit in. It was more of not necessarily feeling like they really understood the company's goals or direction and how their work fit in. You know, I'm I'm just doing this. Right. Um, And that was a big aha for me because it was, gosh, I'm sitting here where I hear everything and I know what's going on. And sometimes they don't need to know everything going on, but is is it an opportunity for me to be more transparent in bringing back things that might be on the horizon or um, that may be coming that helps them understand their work? Because they are a very important group. I mean, this group collectively is very important to the organization. Um, and then finding ways to integrate them, you know, not to take them away from their day to day, but to get to know the person finding that, you know, the exercise we went through as leads was very effective. Is there ways, you know, for them to get to know each other personally and take the work out of it and just, you know, connect? So we, well, created a um, cross-cultural metrics team. So for the first time we had, um, uh, you know, employees in two different, three different countries working together to, um, to share our metrics and also SWAT teams. So, you know, the, it wasn't top down. Here's what we need you to do. And here's why it was more of what are you seeing? What are you hearing? But creating cross country SWAT teams where they were talking to each other and they were, you know, identifying priorities and what's important to them, but they were learning more from each other. So I think just that energy that comes from, you know, I've worked with you for X amount of years, but I'm meeting you for the first time, um, you know, was such a, it was an unexpected benefit just by getting the teams to talk more, um, you know, and, and creating more synergy and having uh, quarterly SWAT meetings. Um, we also created an engagement committee, an engagement action committee comprised of employees from three different countries. And they've come up with some creative things and they're having a ball with that. Um, so it just, it just, I mean, I can't necessarily say that was the right way, but it was just a way to get them to find commonalities in each other and also help each other. You know, there are different cultural holidays and different things and different traditions. You know, is it a chance for us to share what we know or what we've learned or what we do and why with each other? And it's it's actually been very successful. So has has the advancements in technologies like Zoom as yes. an example, has, has this helped, how, has this yes. helped you or hurt you? It has helped us um, tremendously. I, I think just, you know, the teams, team's dynamic is, is what, what I, you know, what I'm familiar with is just being able to see a face, right? And see expression and to talk, um, you know, and, and it's not a necessarily a way for us just to kind of join this thing and then, you know, have our video blank. No, the expectation is that we're all, we're all sharing our videos, right? It's a way for us, a subtle way to feel connected in meetings or um, just discussion. So it has helped a great deal. Right. And then I got to ask about the pandemic. Did, what what happened over these last couple of years that you can comment about to say the pandemic created this challenge 
or it actually created this opportunity that advanced in some way the team? To be honest with you, um, you know, it, it was a shift for many because, you know, irregardless of whatever country with three geographies, we were more or less coming into the office now, more or less, you know, working from home for the most part, because we're a global team, a centralized global team. Um, and so I think, you know, that was was a challenge a little bit to keep, pro, you know, productivity going. So a lot of just, you know, conversations around how do we do that as a, as a leadership team. But I think more so, I would say opportunity, um, because now we're all on a level playing field. You know, we had, I had previously a couple teams that were 100% virtual um, and they might be joining into a room, you know, where we're all together in one location, but they can't hear, you know, they can't hear what's going on or the sidebar conversations or a little small chat about what do we have for lunch or what have you. They're like, hmm, what are they saying? Are they talking about me? I can't hear you. And so I think it was just a nice upside that, you know, if a uh, uh, good portion of my virtual employees have said, I feel better. I feel more connected now. I feel more connected to the team. Um, challenges, I think, are just getting together, you know, more often. Um, and it's, you know, it's always costly to travel abroad. But um, I overall, I'd say that was an upside of the pandemic. This podcast is supported by NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. NRECA's broad range of products and services include a robust portfolio of leadership programs that provide learners with the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to lead at all levels of their co-op and succeed in today's rapidly changing electric utility industry. Visit cooperative.com learning to explore the value of learning with NRECA. Steve, that was a great conversation with Shelley. What were some of the highlights that stood out to you? So I think there are four things I'd like to talk about around Shelley's interview. First, I want to talk about teams that operate like wrestling teams and teams that operate like football teams. Secondly, I want to comment about the assessments that she, that she spoke of during the interview. Third, I want to talk about improving cross-team interaction via empowering or by powering team activities. And finally, I want to talk about managing non-global teams that must work together. Okay, so let's get started with teams that operate like wrestling teams and teams that operate like football teams. Shelley mentioned some of her global teams operate like a bunch of individual players under the umbrella of a team, and other teams operate in a more integrated fashion. Now, I call this distinction the difference between a collegiate wrestling team and a collegiate football team. Collegiate wrestling teams are a bunch of individuals who, when they're done wrestling, they sort of add up the score, whereas a college or collegiate football team is a highly integrated activity. These different team styles pose a problem when teams have to interact with one another. Shelley's prescription was not to change the team styles, but rather raise awareness of the differences between the teams and team members, emphasize the common goals, and promote cross-team activities that will form closer bonds between the teams. So the assessments were about raising awareness of differences between teams and team members. Exactly. Hey, I'm a fan of assessment tools when they're properly used. Shelley mentioned two tools. The first was IDI, which stands for Intercultural Development Inventory. 
It measures where you are in your journey towards cross-cultural competence and offers suggestions on building cross-cultural skills. It is an excellent assessment, one that readily advanced my own personal thinking about cross-cultural competence the first time I took it. It seems to be a natural fit for what Shelley's trying to accomplish with these global teams. The second instrument mentioned by Shelley was the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Instrument, which is a tool which suggests how each of us tends to manage conflict. And since conflict on and between teams is really inevitable, again, it's a nice selection for Shelley's goal of highlighting and managing differences. These assessment tools gave Shelley and her team objective research-based perspectives on the team and team member differences and preferences. It was a great starting point. You can find more about these assessment tools on our website. So how about improving cross-team interaction by empowering team activities? Shelley said about improving team interactions by asking team members from different teams to join in some cross-cultural team activities. And she mentioned three, a cross-cultural metrics team, SWAT teams, which presumably were designed to address key cross-team issues when they arose, and finally, employee engagement teams. What I particularly liked about these ad hoc teams is the freedom she gave these teams. She chartered the purpose of the teams, but left the details about deliverables and team management to the teams themselves. This freedom afforded team members to experience group problem solving and group decision-making, group planning. And these experiences then could translate or be applied to the day-in, day-out interactions between team members from around the globe. In other words, they got used to working together in these ad hoc ways, then transferred those skills over to their routine work settings, which was really Shelley's goal. And finally, what about managing non-global teams that must work together? My conversation with Shelley emphasized the integration of global teams, but I wanted to point out that pretty much the same rules of the road or rules of thumb apply to managing multiple teams that must work together regardless of whether the teams are on the same floor in the same state, or are virtual across multiple states. Differences between teams and team members have to be acknowledged and pointed out. Inter-team experiences help build cross-functional muscle. A common language around conflict management can come in handy. And finally, creating technological even playing fields could help foster inclusion. So you don't need to have multiple global teams to learn from Shelley's experience. If you happen to have multiple teams, Give some of Shelley's techniques a try. And with that, we conclude this episode of Conversation with a Manager. If you enjoyed this podcast and feel like others could learn from it as well, feel free to share with your friends and colleagues. And a big thank you to our guest, Shelley Klinger, for sharing some of her personal experiences as a manager. Support for this podcast comes from NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. Driven by member feedback and engagement, NRECA's mission is to be the trusted resource, champion the cause, and inspire the future of the industry.